Open your Bibles, please. Um, I'm not sure where yet, so just pick a pa- pick a page. Um, pastor should know that when he gets up to preach. Um, probably going to be in Psalm 119 a lot today, I believe. This uh, oh, and if you don't have sermon notes and you would like them, I, well, put it this way: if you don't have sermon notes, I would love you to have some because we're going to be going through some detailed material today. This is the end of, of forty days in the Word. So raise your hand if you didn't get a copy of the sermon notes. There's a couple over here, a couple in the back, a couple up front here that need them. Um, you, and if you could make your way all the way to the front row, guys, that would be great. This marks, uh, today marks the final Sunday in 40 days in the Word, 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 sorry, I'm having problems with my diction, Um, 40 days in the, I I kept thinking I was saying Word, and I kept thinking I was saying World, it's 40 days in the Word, Chad, Um, this isn't the end of the journey, this is, I believe, the first step in in the journey, this is the first step. So I, I want to I dissuade you from an idea, and that is, hey, we're coming to the end of this thing that we're doing, the six, this six weeks, and not to think of it as an end, but to think of it as a beginning, to think of it as a beginning of a lifetime relationship with God's Word. And the question that we have then this morning is this, and that is, how do I keep using the skills and the tools that we've learned here in 40 Days in the Word? How do I keep using them? How... How do I maintain a heart for God's Word? Well, this morning we're going to be answering it this way. And that is we need to integrate God's Word into every area of our lives. We need to integrate. That word integrate or integration, that's the opposite of integration is segregation. We know a little bit about segregation. Well, people that live segregated lives or segmented lives will separate their family life from their church life, and then their separate work life, maybe their sex life, their spiritual life, and live a segmented or or a segregated life. And people who live uh, segregated lives act one way in one place and act another way somewhere else. They'll act one way in the office and another way in church on Sunday morning. The word integrity comes from the word integration. And people who have integrity live integrated or whole lives. They are the same wherever they go, whoever they're with. They're, they're not the chameleon. They are who they are. And I've got to tell you, I want that kind of life. I want to be that kind of person. Do you? Amen. I want to be that kind of person. I want that kind of integrity. I want to be a man of the word. I want, I want you to be a man or a woman of the word. But the question for us isn't whether I want that for you. The question is, do you want that for you? Do you want that? And if so, how? How do we become a man or woman of God? Well, we've got to have the desire, first and foremost. It's interesting. We have a, an interesting way of doing the things that we like to do or the things that we want to do, right? We do. And if this 40 days in the Word has been a... You know, it has been just an interesting exercise. Then you've really missed the point. Here's the thing. If you desire, though, if you desire 
and intend to follow through, to keep going in God's Word, then you've got the most important ingredient. Because the things that you want to do, you will do. And if anything has happened in this season, if one thing happened and that the Lord has cultivated a taste and a hunger and a thirst for His Word, then this has been an amazing journey for you. Because you can take that hunger and that thirst into a lifetime relationship with God and His Word. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 119, verse 20. What I want most of all and at all times is to honor your laws. To honor your laws. And so today's message actually is kind of a review. Because we're going to look at the six ways to integrate God's Word into our lives. And we're going to do those six ways actually come from the six memory verses that we have in 40 days in the Word. And we're going to look at those in just a minute. But before we do, would you bow your heads and just ask the Lord's blessing with me. Lord, would you come and open your Word and speak to our hearts? We, we need you, Holy Spirit, to open your Word to us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. So the first way to integrate God's Word into our lives, number one, we've got to build on it. We've got to build on it. We talked about this, I think, in week one. We've got to build our lives on God's Word, build our lives on the Bible. Matthew 7 and verse 24, Jesus said this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What this verse is telling us and reminding us is that we need to make the Word of God the foundation for our lives. Is God's Word the foundation for your life? And we looked in the first week is to find out what is it, the kind of things that we've been building on, the, the shaky foundations that we've come from. And now in this series, we're, we're looking and thinking, wait a minute, I, I've got to reject some of those, all of those worldly values, those things that I thought were so important to, to really be the foundation for my life, and now to begin to really seek the truth of God's Word, to make that the core of who I am and where I'm going and what I'm basing my life on. Because, you know what, let's face it, there are a lot of foundations that we could build our lives on. And most of them, all of them, if they're not Jesus, and if they're not God's Word, they're very unreliable. Pop culture comes to mind. I mean... And one of the things I hate about pop culture is it's aimed right at our kids who are in a formative stage. And if you're under 25, you know what I mean, because the pop culture speaks directly to you and speaks to you and tells you the way you ought to live and the, the people whom you should imitate. And it's really truth by popularity. It's the idea that everyone is doing it. But God says this, Exodus 23, verse 2, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Now, I just want to take a minute and talk to some of us younger folks. You notice how I included myself in that sentence? Some of us who are under 25, of course. Uh, if you feel young, this is for you. How's that? In my years in ministry, I've discovered that very few of us grow up with parents who, whose lives are built on God's Word. It's very much not the norm. Most of us in this room didn't grow up that way. Or worse, you grew up with parents who pretended to build their lives on God's words. I, I think that's even worse. 
Because then you get kind of a, a twisted or distorted view of who God is and what, what truth is all about. And so maybe going through your life, you had to figure out things for yourself. You sort of were bouncing off the curbs and opinions and you'd follow this one and maybe, you know, you're just looking at different models and figuring out how to, how to do it. Like when you're with a, a hot guy or a hot girl and you, you don't know when is it right to have sex. What should I do? I knew a, a church girl uh, who got pregnant. And her Christian parents, her church-going parents, made her get an abortion. These people know Scripture. They can, they can quote it back to you. You see, the culture says, if it seems right, do it. If it feels good, do it. If it makes sense, do it. And so the question is, what if in your life the adult role models are saying things that go against God's word? You have a choice. You can follow those role models, or you can follow God's word. It's really a choice. And i got to tell you, God has a plan for your life, and it is the most amazing thing you'll ever experience if you begin now to build it on God's Word. Some of you are getting, uh, graduating from high school, and you're moving on. Uh, some of us are in college, and you're at that stage where you're forming opinions about everything. This is so vital. But this is the question you need to ask. The advice that I'm listening to, does it come from wise people? Look around at your role models, those that you seem to be imitating. By the way, if you admire somebody, guess what? You're going to be like them because we are like whom we admire. I admire my father tremendously. He is a man of God. He did build his life on the Word of God. I am very fortunate for that. And, And I'm in many ways like my dad. I have people tell me all the time, you look like him and you act like him, you even talk like him. It's true because I admire my dad. But most of us have role models that are a little messed up. And so here's the thing, if they're all messed up, if they're so lost, then why would you, why would, why would you follow their guidebook, their recipe for life? Because where's it going? Where are they heading? Into a mess. And we ask ourselves, is there a better one? Is there a better way? You bet. This week a young lady spoke to a, a group of pastors. It's probably one of the highlights of my week. And... Uh, we were, we were just kind of having this debate. It was a large group. It was kind of a, a clinical setting. And she was very quiet because she was a guest of somebody. And, and she didn't want to say anything. But someone prompted her and said, you know, tell them what you just told me. And, and she stood in front of a group of pastors very courageously. And she said, this, this woman, by the way, young, she's in her 20s. And she'd been uh, sober just two years. And she had been addicted to heroin. And she said that the reason she got free of that was that she got into a faith-based rehab center. And and they taught her a whole new way to live. A life based on faith in Jesus and founded and built on God's Word. And then she said this, and this is what caught my attention. She said, now even though she loves her family, she said, I love my family. But she said, I don't take advice from them. She said, they're all addicted to drugs. And they come from a long line of drug addicts. I don't want their advice. I want to be free. I want to stay free. She says, I'm desperate for God's word and for relationship with people who are following God's word. 
And so this young lady in her 20s, is, she loves her family. She's praying for her family. But she knows that they are following a standard that's going to lead them to destruction. And she's found a new drug, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and she is so on fire. Now, here's the thing. Just a little word of caution. I'm not asking people to be disobedient to your parents. Please, don't play this tape back and think that's what I'm saying. I'm calling you, though, to be obedient to God's word. Because Christian or not, there are Christian parents in this room who will permit you to do things that may be contrary to God's word. Maybe you have parents who uh, don't even own a Bible. But understand this, God's word is going to call you to a much higher standard than any other standard that those adult models are going to give you. And so set your, your, your true north, set your compass on God's word. It will never lead you the wrong way. And say, God's word is my guidebook for everything. I'm going to evaluate every other voice in my life by what God's word says. And he's so consistent. And you're going to say, I reject the shaky foundation that all those other people are seeming to build their lives on. And so we could build our lives on pop culture. We could also build our lives on tradition. Tradition says, hey, we've always done it that way. Mark 7, verse 8 says, Jesus said, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Sometimes traditions are good. Sometimes they're bad. The problem with traditions isn't that necessarily they're good or bad. It's that they're always changing. How do you know when the rules have changed? Here's one thing that never changes. God's word never changes. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That, by the way, is the Foursquare Church's theme verse. You see it on screen every Sunday before church starts. You could build your life on tradition. You could build your life on reason. You can rely on your intellect. Sounds logical? Ah, this makes sense. You could live your life making pros and cons about decisions that you should make. Column A and column B. And those might be rational decisions. They might not even be bad decisions. But guess what? They're unreliable. Proverbs 16, verse 25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but it, in the end it leads to death. How many times have you made a decision where you thought that was a good decision? It seemed so promising at the time, but it burned in the end. And it just hurt. We could build our life on reason. We could build our lives on the emotion of the moment. Uh, if it feels right, it must be right. <laughs> I just do what I feel. The problem is that feelings lie. And we're easily fooled by feelings. I'll tell you what, when I'm tired and... Grumpy, I, I make do, dumb decisions. Judges 21 and verse 25. This is from the message paraphrase. It says, at, the, at that time there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. What they felt like doing. You, do you know that Hollywood is completely built on the foundation of feelings? Nothing more than feelings, right? <laughs> Somebody I just scarred for life. What's Hollywood's prescription for relationships? Here it is. Step one, find the right person. 
Two, fall in love. Three, fix all your hopes and dreams on this person for your future fulfillment. And four, if failure occurs, repeat steps one through three. Right? Here's God's prescription for relationships, just a little different. Number one, step one, become the right person. Number two, walk in love. Number three, fix your hope on God and honor Him through your relationships. Number four, if failure occurs, repeat steps one through three. Just a little different. A little different approach to relationships. Some of us, you, when I said that, you think back on all the mistakes you've made in relationships and you think, oh man, if only I could have done that back when. Some of you young people are hearing this for the first time. What I just said for who you marry, who you date, who you hang out with, there's some, there's some godly wisdom right there. If you learn nothing about that and you're single and you're moving on to the, a, a new phase in your life, write those down and that will serve you well. So have you built your life on a shaky foundation or a solid one? And if I want a solid foundation, then I need to do this. I need to integrate God's Word into my life. By number one, I need to build my life on God's Word. Number two, I need to feed on it. I need to feed on it. Do you know the Bible is often referred to as spiritual food? Because just as we need physical food to stay alive and healthy, we need spiritual food to stay healthy and active and strong. One summer, I uh, took a job on a construction site as a teenager. And I remember the first lunchtime, when we sat down for lunch, um, I, I, I put my lunch down in a little paper sack or whatever, and these construction guys, these big guys, burly guys, they come out, and they have these, these Playmate uh, coolers, you know? And I'm thinking, whoa, that's a big lunchbox, dude. And then they pull out, like, this one guy pulls out, like, Two roast beef sandwiches, and they're they're just they're they're thick and they're just giant. And he's got like two apples and a banana and like half a dozen cookies and and he's got like this just big thing of water or something. He said it was water. Um, and, and I'm thinking, you're gonna eat all that? And then they made fun of me because I opened the lunch that my mommy prepared for me. And there's an Oscar Mayer Lunchable. And I pull out the little cheese and the little cracker and then the little Capri Sun juice box, right? And I'm feeling a little stupid. And about 2 o'clock, I realized why those guys had that big lunch. Because you know what? Construction work is really hard. And I was starving. I was weak by the end of the afternoon. Do you know that as a Christian, we're always under construction? And that construction process is tiring. It hurts sometimes. And we think, man. Because I'm going to tell you, not being a Christian, way easier. In the end, it really sucks. Really. But being a Christian, hard work. Not that works get us anywhere. But it's just that we're submitting to a process of God of getting the world out of us. That takes energy. That takes emotional strength. And it, and it zaps us. When you think of food, I, I know of uh, Jake, my son-in-law, he is in Afghanistan. And he worries probably about a lot of stuff over there. Probably worries about his family. And I would imagine that every time he goes out on patrol, he worries about not stepping on an IED and getting blown up by an improvised explosive device. 
that some of his buddies have. But there's one thing he doesn't worry about over there. Food. You know why? Well, because the army has learned something. That soldiers who lose weight are soldiers that lose battles. That's why they feed them so well over there. Church, you're in a spiritual battle. And sometimes you don't even realize it. You don't even recognize the battle that you're fighting. And you think, man, why am I so tired? Why am I so, why am I so easily tempted? You know what? Because you took your guard down. You didn't feed up spiritually. You've been fasting God's word. By the way, stupid idea. Stupid idea. That is something we never want to fast. We never want to give up. Because something happens when we feed on God's word, and it's interesting, it makes us more hungry. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so let's review the five ways that we learned to feed on God's Word. Again, we're doing a lot of review this morning. And this is getting involved all of the five senses. Number one, I receive it with my ears. I listen to it. That's when we come to church. When we listen to a message or you listen to a, a podcast or a CD or, or whatever. And, or maybe you listen to, it on, uh, listen to God's Word on, on, uh, on a CD as you're going to work or something like that. The, the problem with learning this way is that about ni- most of us lose or forget about 95% of what we've heard. If you're a man, you probably forget about 105%. Number two, I can read it with my eyes. I can read it with my eyes. And this is, this is how we do this. We commit to a daily reading plan. And we, we get on it. However much you want to read, but you just read it. You, get, you submit, submit to it and, and submerse yourself into it. Set an appointment every day with the Lord. When you are at your best, you don't have to, if you're not at your best in the morning, don't do it in the morning. But I've got to tell you, if you do it in the morning, you're less likely to be distracted. Well, unless you fall asleep. But turn off the TV. Shut off the phone. Do whatever you need to do to avoid distraction. Number three, I can research it with my hands and my mouth. People, if you come to God's Word and you're not holding a pen or a highlighter or a notebook, you're not studying God's Word. You're just kind of breezing through it. You know, if you've got a photographic memory, God bless you. I don't. And so I need to write it. I need to mark things in my margin. Your Bible at the end of a year, you, might, you should have to need to go get a new one. All right, because it's so written on it, you can hardly read the words anymore. And it's because you've just filled it up and you've made notes and reflected on it. I research it with my hands and my mouth. Number four, I reflect on it with my mind. That's the process of meditation. Not Eastern meditation where you sit and, you know. It's, it's, it's thinking about God's Word to myself. To just mulling it over like a cow chews on its cud. You're chewing on it. You talk about it with friends. Send an email. Do you know that if you explain it to somebody else, you learn it way better? Amen. Sometimes I send those emails to you with my life journal entries. You ever get those from me? Those soaps, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. I don't send those out because I'm necessarily wanting to inspire you. Of course, I hope they do. But you know what I've discovered? When I think I have to explain it to somebody else, you know what? It forces me to really, really reflect on it and go for it. Number five, I remember it with my heart. 
That's just memorizing scripture. And that's what we've been doing in this series. I want to just give you a little illustration of what I mean. A little show and tell here. All right? Of those five things, I've got my little uh, pumper pot here. Shall we make a cup of tea? Let's make a cup of tea. All right. You've got to add the hot water. All right. This hot water represents your soul. All right. Hopefully the water's still hot. Or this will be a really bad illustration. Oh, looky there. It's, it's warm. So of those five things I've just mentioned, uh, if you just do one of them, maybe you just, hey, I just read it. You just take one dunk. Doesn't really do much to the tea. Right? But maybe you take two dunks and you let it sit there for a minute and you reflect on it. It's going to change the tea. But that's just two dunks. You dunk it three times. You reflect on it. You study it. You start memorizing Scripture. And you keep submerging yourself in God's Word. What does it do? Over time, you got tea, baby. It transforms a life when we submerse ourselves and dunk ourselves in God's Word. But only if we dive in. And the longer that sits, hopefully by the end of service, that's going to be really dark. Be some really good tea. A little sugar and a little creamer, that will be really, really good. The next way we want to integrate God's Word into our lives is this. We need to live by it. We need to live by it. A person who lives by God's Word is saying this. It's saying, I am making God's Word, I'm making God's Word my standard for everything. I'm going to evaluate every voice, every idea, every opinion, every decision, every emotion according to God's Word. Because you know what? Everyone, think about it, everyone has a code they live by. I mean, even Jack Sparrow lives by the pirate code, right? I mean, pirates have a code. So what code do you live by? Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but who meditates on the Word of God. What's that all about? Well, it says this, that if I want to be blessed, I don't want to live by the code of the ungodly. Pop culture, the TVs, movies, celebrities, what other people say or think. Instead, I want to live my life based on the wisdom, not of the world, but the wisdom of God's Word. And when we do that, there's the promised blessing, because here's what God's Word does. It gives you hope in crisis. It gives you comfort when you're in despair. Strength when you're weak. Wisdom when you're confused. Guidance when you need direction. And strength when you, can't, you just can't seem to ever go on anymore. This is, this is the power of God's Word. Psalm 119 says it this way. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we do that? How do we hide God's word in our heart? Well, we memorize it. We memorize it. The other day... Oh, by the way, you know what? Why do we memorize scripture? Because I, you hear people like me say, hey, memorize scripture. And it's hard, right? It is. It takes some work. But did you know that when you were born... 
you, you, you were born, you, you had a mind, a soul, it was kind of like this empty warehouse. Right? And, and you began putting truth in this warehouse. And later in life, when something comes up, you're going you're gonna to look for one of those boxes on one of those shelves in the warehouse to find an answer, right? And if it's there, you'll, you'll have the answer. Right now, my son Caleb, not quite a year and a half yet, he's got one little tiny box about this big in his warehouse. You know? And it's, where's the cookies? You know? And... Uh, and, and, and he's just, you know, but he's filling that up every day. He wants more to put in his box. Right? And so we, we go on in life. And sometimes our boxes get filled up with truth, half-truth, which, by the way, is a, a complete lie. The worst kind. And so there's stuff in there. Those, we have boxes which we think are true that the culture has taught us. We have all these other boxes where somebody that we respected taught us, but that was really just baloney. And then we have these other things where we've read in a book, and it made sense at the time. And then we have this over here, and then sometimes we have this little God box. And it might, some of us, it might be this little box in the corner. And so one day, you hear something. Someone's talking. Maybe you're at the workplace. Maybe it's at school. Maybe you hear some, someone uh, talking on the radio or on television and the news about some moral issue. Trust me, they're all over. There's been one big one in the last couple of weeks. You know what I'm talking about. So I don't want to get sidetracked here. But the thing is, is you listen to some of that stuff, and some of what your friends are saying, or people at work are saying, and you think to yourself, wait a minute, that just doesn't sound right. Just something in me says, you know, that just, I don't know. But you ever have this feeling like you think, well, I, I, it just doesn't feel right, but I don't know why. I don't know why it feels wrong. It just kind of does. But they make a really good argument, and you could be easily swayed, because you know what? Well, they sound smarter than you. But you think, ah, what they're saying is wrong. Why don't we know? You know why? Because we've been trying to go to that box, and there's nothing in the box. We have a moral dilemma, and we're trying to get into the box that's, you know, what do I do when uh, I'm, I'm uh, with my, my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and things are getting hot and heavy? What, what do I do? You don't have the box that says there's no temptation that will overtake you that is not common to man, but God is faithful that will allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but with the temptation will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to stand up under it. You pull that one out of the box. Hopefully you do that before you got in the car. <laughs> That's why we memorize Scripture. Because... You, you do it because, you know what, you're going to need that later. When a challenge comes along, you can be like Devo and try to whip it. That's for people over 40. Or you can pull out the box where the scripture is. You can pull out that box. The other day, this happened to me. It did. I was... Um, I had this great workout at the gym. I was doing the Stairmaster. You know, I was listening to worship music on my iPod. You know, just going great, me and God. I'm praying. I'm actually praying in tongues, and I'm just, you know, just kind of going like this and having a great time, and I'm just feeling awesome. And I go in the shower and get all cleaned up, and I start walking out of the gym. As I'm walking out of the gym, feeling so wonderful and spiritual, and I'm tired, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sprinting across the driveway, but I am, you know, I'm, I'm moseying. I don't know, sashaying. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not 
staring at my iPod or my text messages in the middle of the driveway. And meanwhile, as I am getting my way over, this guy with his really big car comes up, stops right in front of me, honks, yells at me, rolls down his window, describes my mother in certain uncolorful terms. And I'm like, excuse, I wanted to say, excuse me, but you know, I've just been working out here. Sorry for not sprinting to my car. I didn't say that. But you know what? As he was saying that, complete paragraphs were forming in my brain. I wanted, first, the first thought was a picture of me beating the crap out of the guy. <laughs> it was there. Fortunately, I, I then saw the size of the guy and realized, okay, that's not so smart. But then, oh, I'm witty. So I had all of these words, paragraphs, most of them beginning with the letter F. I am kidding you not. This is going on in my brain. I am formulating my plan of attack. This all took place in a matter of a nanosecond. Wham! Just like that. Spiritual, whoo, I'm just with Jesus. And then, man, I am just carnal beast wanting to beat the snot out of a guy. How did I get from there to there? I'm a sinner like you. But here's the thing. It was a temptation. I uttered none of those words. I did none of those things that I thought. Why? This literally happened. I remember the verse. Turn the other cheek. Romans 12, 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Oh, that made me mad. Why does God's word have to do that? I could have had so much fun telling him off and probably lost a few teeth in the process. Do you know when Jesus was tempted, and he was, he went 40 days in the desert, in the wilderness. He did 40 days, and the, the, the tempter, the devil, came and was tempting him. You know, cast yourself down from this temple, and the angels, you know, the scripture is going to come, and God's promised to take care of you, and all this, and t- temptation after temptation. Every one of those temptations, you know what he did? He quoted scripture back at the end of it, and he said, take that. He started every response to the, to the enemy with, it is written. In other words, God has said, and then he's filled in the blanks. In many, many cases, he corrected the devil and re-quoted the correct scripture to the guy. So if you have an excuse about memorizing, you say, you know what, I can't remember stuff? Baloney. The problem is you can't, isn't that you can't memorize it. The problem is you don't want to. It's not important enough to you. Because I can tell you, you, impo- you remember the important things, don't you? So ask ourselves, ask yourself this, do I value God's word enough to memorize it? Honey, can you hand me my iPhone? Just chuck it. Thank you. There's this co- do you know that when we come to an, a red light, do you know that on average you'll spend... Um, the person who drives will, in their lifetime will spend six months of their life at a, at a red light. Do you know what I do normally when I come to a red light? I te- check my text messages to see if some important thing has come in while I drove from one light to the other. And it's also the reason why people honk at me when I haven't gone on the green light. And so when I was thinking about this, getting ready for this, I thought, you know what? That's what I do. Why do I check my text messages? Why don't I check a verse? I can put that habit to good use. And then I thought, well, what if, is there an iPad, an iPhone app, or a smartphone app for a verse memory? There, they have an app for that. 
They do. And uh, here it is. It's called Verse by Heart. And so I, I loaded it up, and on here it says, I've got Philippians 4 uh, up here, and I don't have the reference. I can't see it because I haven't memorized it yet. Um, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. And this app is so cool. It has little quizzes. You can fill in the blanks. You know, it'll blank out words so you can try to learn it. Great way to learn a verse. So those of you who have, you know, uh, a, th- a thumb addiction, you know, with the, your, your smartphone, put it to good use. So number one, we, we, what we're talking about here is integrating God's word into our lives. We build on it. We feed on it. We live by it. Number four, we, we grow through it. 119, Psalm 119, verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. That word open is key. It means to be receptive. And if you have trouble seeing wonderful things in God's word, ask yourself, am I open to it? Am I receptive to it? Because, you know, Jesus told this great parable about the soil in Luke 8. And in verse 5, he starts this way. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. The word picture here is, is a, of a farmer who's casting their seed. And in that day, uh, there were these footpaths between the rows. It's not like there's a, a freeway next to the farm. It's that wherever they walk, and they're putting the seed down, wherever they walk becomes very compact. And so when the seed hits it, some of it, it does not grow. Any seed scattered there has no chance of taking root. It can't penetrate the ground, lies on the surface. And the birds, they come and they eat it up because it never gets a chance to sprout. And so Jesus then gives the meaning. He says in verse 12 that those along the footpath are the ones who hear and then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their hearts so they cannot believe and be saved. This is hardened soil. And he's talking about a closed mind. A closed mind. And like that footpath, sometimes our minds are hardened and narrow. And we've never really given God a chance to talk. Our minds are made up. Our hearts are hardened, unwilling to listen. And so here's what I need to do when I'm in that place. i got to cultivate an open mind. i got to cultivate an open mind. Verse 6, Jesus says this, Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. This seed began to grow, but soon it withered and died for lack of moisture. You see, much of Israel has just a, a thin layer of topsoil, and underneath it is a bedrock of limestone. And so what happens is if the seeds are planted in that kind of a place, there's just not enough soil for it to take root. It's not compacted like the footpath. It looks like good soil. It is on top, but underneath it's very, very hard. And Jesus explains that soil. He says the rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but they, they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. So this is the shallow soil. It's this. It's a superficial mind. 
Because sometimes we react superficially to God's Word. We get excited about it. We, we react emotionally, even impulsively. But we don't take the time to let it sink in. How many times have we left here on Sunday morning going, I can do that. God's given me faith. And by late Monday afternoon, it seems like a distant memory. Why? Because when you went to bed that night, when you woke up the next morning, you weren't cultivating that. You were just enjoying a moment that happened the day before. And now you were just dealing with the moment that you were in right then. It says they receive it with joy. They're thrilled, but they're not transformed. They have shallow roots, make superficial commitments. They believe for a while, but when the problems come, when the heat is on, they shrivel up. They blow away. And so how do I keep from responding superficially like that? Here's how. Grow deep roots. Grow deep roots. Means I gotta take time for God's Word. I just gotta take time. I gotta put it in my schedule. Verse 7 Other seed fell in the weeds. The weeds grew with it and strangled it. By the way, notice here that the seed sprout and grows, but it never bears fruit. And Jesus explains this in verse 14. The seed fell among the weeds stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. Would you take a second, if you have a pen, and circle that phrase, as they go? Are you always on the go? You see, I think busyness is is one of the biggest barriers to integrating God's Word. Busyness. We're too busy. We're distracted. We have no time for God's word. It says that the, of those uh, plants that have sprouted, it says they are choked. They are stressed out. This is people who are always on the go, but you're just going in circles. You know, I think the biggest sin of Christians in Puget Sound isn't addiction, immorality, pornography, you know, evil, demonic worship and all this stuff. I think the biggest problem with, with Christians is that we're just too busy. I think most people could throw about, about half of their calendar and never miss it. You know, my wife, Yvonne, she teaches piano, and she has these kids that come to her piano studio, and she teaches them. And she mentions to me frequently how stressed out some of these kids are. Because that kid... Many of them, before school starts, were dropped off at ballet class or some other, or maybe a special language class or a, a math class or something like that. And then their regular school day starts and they go through a whole school day. Maybe they do PE and, and then they, they probably got homework to do later that night. And then after school, mom or dad picks them up and they go to, to, to soccer practice. And then after soccer practice, they bring them to our house for piano lessons. And then when they go home from our house after piano lessons, they go home and do homework. That's a pretty busy kid. That's a pretty busy parent. Huh. Do you know what the number one, one of the number one uh, complaints I've heard from every youth pastor at this church and every other church is this? Is that they can't get kids to come to the youth event or the youth night, because the kids are so busy. 
Kids want to come. There's a great program, a great thing to be involved in. But kids can't come because things are too busy. Sometimes we can't get kids to go to camp because their parents are making them go to math camp or soccer camp or band camp. Are those bad things? No, they're not bad things. Moms and dads, if you've got a teenager, or if you're going to have a teenager, send them to camp, church camp. Dude, we've got a great one coming up, Pastor Dan and team. Tell them to bring a friend, because guess what? They're going to remember that for the rest of their life. Band camp, they're going to be... What are they going to do with the flute when they're 30 years old? I mean, if you're going to be a professional flute player, you know, go to band camp. But go to church camp first. It's going to change your life. Some of us adults, we need to go to camp too. What is it? <laughs> I got like nine points left here, so uh, we've got to get going. I'm sorry, really long. The soil with the weeds is a preoccupied mind. And to get rid of that, we've got to eliminate the distractions in our lives. Seeds that fell in good soil stand for those who hear the message and retain it. Luke 8.15 They retain it in good and obedient heart and they persist until they bear fruit. They hear it, they retain it, they obey it, and they persist until they bear fruit. And the good soil here that we just saw has a willing mind. The good soil cooperates with what it says. That's the action step here. Uh, cooperates with what it says. A willing mind says, Dear God, I am willing to learn. Teach me, God. I need you. I'm humble. i got to be honest with you. Every time I begin prayer, do you know what the first words after dear God are? They are this. Three words. Every time I pray in private. I need you. The three most important words I think I can say to remind me that what I got ain't enough. And it leads us to the fifth point, and this is just to act on it. It's our memory verse we learned. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Act on it. And so we learned how to picture it, to visualize the scene in our mind, to pronounce it. To emphasize and to hear it out loud as we say it. To paraphrase it. To put it in our own words. To personalize it. To probe it. You saw those space pets, right? Some of you are going, space pets? If you're new today, don't worry about it. Ask someone later. And then probe it and then pray it. Pray that verse back to God. So if you were reading a verse like the, the, the sower of the seed, your prayer might go something like this. Dear God, would you make me good soil? Open my heart that I would be not just receptive to your word, but that there would, there would be a fertile place for it to grow and to spread. And you pray it back to God. And you begin to learn it. And you know what? God answers those prayers. The last thing is this. Trust in it. Number six. Trust. God's word is going to guide you in the right direction. Psalm 119.105 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. This is the flashlight verse, Rick Warren calls it. You know, when you're confused and you don't know which way to go, where do you normally turn? 
Do you go and ask someone for directions? Do you ask somebody who seems smarter than you? Do you ask somebody who maybe has been there before? Do you call Oprah? Dr. Phil? Read a book? What's the first thing you do? Call a therapist? People, you need to stop looking for good advice and look for God's advice. The Word is a lamp. It's a flashlight. So when the lights go out, turn it on. You'll be amazed at what you see. So the question is, as we come to the end of the 40 days in the Word, we have one more week of small groups. It's going to be a good week. But how do I continue from here in the Word? How do I become a man or woman of God? I was going to say four simple things. Number one, commit to stay in your small group study. You know, some of these groups were formed for this six-week period, and that's cool. And if your host family doesn't want to continue, that's, that's their prerogative. That's cool. That's, you know, it's summertime, we get that. But you might want to start another group. You might want to continue. Or I would encourage those groups that are meeting this, this, this right now through 40 Days in the Word to connect during the summer. Set some reunion time or something where you guys can connect. And make sure that you, you plan on being in a small group uh, when you're part of this church. Because we are not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. Commit to stay in the Word daily. Is this an appointment? Is this on your calendar? Go, if you have a smartphone like I do, go put that appointment on your, in here, in your calendar. So when you wake up, it's the first thing you, oh, wait a minute, God's nagging me. i got an appointment reminder. See, I have one that just came up right now. And it says, you know what, you have an appointment. Remember that. And I'd say that this week in your group, maybe have a party. Celebrate what God is doing. You know, anchor this in a, in, a, in a fun, happy memory. And I would also add this, and I would ask you to get a life journal. Because 40 Days Journals, the ones, the workbook is coming to a close. You filled it up after the end of this week. And you're going to want to develop a habit. I'm going to be talking about that next week. But if you don't have one, pick it up. They're at the welcome table. We aren't making money on this. It's 10 bucks. I think it covers the cost of this. And uh, I'm going to talk about more about this next week, about how to, how to do a life journal and how to participate with that. But a great way to keep your, your regular life. Uh, the things you see in my emails to you, those come right out of this. Those, that's, 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 that's the format that I use for that. And so we're just going to seek the Lord. And we're going to build our lives on God's Word. Amen? Would you stand with me and invite the music team to come up? Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Lord, I think this morning we've had a drink from a fire hydrant. There's so much information here. There's so much to remember. But Holy Spirit, would you right now, of all that was said this morning, would you just fill us with one thing, and that is a hunger and a thirst for your word. We need you. We need you. Come. Lord Jesus. Amen.